Hello and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua and today's episode will be on technocracy, William Henry Smith, and the background of the religion of scientism. This is part of our series on secular religion as a whole. And as I always try to remember to say at least, please go back to at least the beginning of this series, even better, the beginning of season three, episode 3.1, or even better than that, go all the way back to episode one of this podcast. The information is intended to build on itself. So if you don't have the information prior to this, you might not pick up on things, you might miss out on some things, and that is not good. That's not what we want. So if you are a new listener, you have a better place, multiple better places to start than this episode. So I recommend that highly. But for this episode, we are continuing this background look at scientism. So last episode, I talked about Plato and Plato's Republic and his views there. That is kind of the beginning of both scientism and technocracy. So keep in mind that this is at least the goal of this episode and the previous are to show the background of scientism. But at the same time, I am showing the background of technocracy pretty clearly and definitely in these two episodes especially. And this is mainly because technocracy is what I will get into after wrapping up scientism and this whole secular religion series. And they tie together very well, I guess you should say. They they are connected together, period. And so when you look at these secular religions of the Church of Woke, of Scientism, and of Statism, they really all come together with this system of technocracy. That's what they are all pointing towards. That's what brings them all together. That is the system that can be applied on the world on a large population under these ideals and moralities and religions of these ones that I just listed, statism, the Church of Woke, and scientism. So these are all connected. However, technocracy is not a religion. I wouldn't say that it's a secular religion. It's a system, but it is directly connected to these secular religions. So that's kind of why these things are meshed together a bit. But uh, William Henry Smith does get into more about this religious aspect, not directly throughout all of his writing, but he does allude to it and does directly comment on it a few times. And he is also talking about the ideal system being more technocratic with the experts being in charge and kind of lays out the practical argument for scientism as well as he how he talks about the importance of ideology and religion. And so this is going to give us some really good background information on how scientism came to be, on why it is becoming more and more popular and why it fits in our current milieu, and how it is connected with this system, this governance system of technocracy. So William Henry Smith wrote a series of articles that were later compiled into a book in around 1920-1921 under the name Technocracy. I'm a little loose with specifics here because it is very difficult to find these specifics. This is not an extremely popular book. It's one that I randomly ran across and haven't heard anyone ever allude to 
William Henry Smith or this specific book, Technocracy. And I have done a lot of research on the subject of technocracy. And again, never heard it referenced once. So this is not a mainstream book by any means, even in this niche circle of, let's say, libertarianism and those discussing this system of technocracy. This book did come out before the technocracy movement of the 30s, which came out of Columbia University, and you had Technocracy Inc. come out of that, which did turn into a surprisingly popular political movement for a while at the time. But uh, William Henry Smith's ideas came before that, and as far as Smith was aware, at least... He coined this term technocracy. It did not exist before this. And he set forth a treatise of sorts that spans philosophy, historical cycles, psychology, political theory, economics, sociology, and lots of related fields to those things. His initial assertions revolve around the idea that humans are governed by four great human instincts. These would be the will to live, the will to make, the will to attain, and the will to control. And at times, these are referred to in synonymous terms, such as the will to survive, the will to construct, the will to take, the will to master. So again, he refers to these in different ways depending on the context, but it can be the will to live, the will to survive, the will to uh, please your base instinct. That's the first The second would be the will to make or to construct or to create or systematize. The third would be the will to attain or the will to take or acquire or to hoard. And then the fourth and final would be the will to control or to master or to dominate. These are the basic wills, the basic desires and instincts of humankind. He says that these drives need to be controlled without being controlled. The way to accomplish this is to have a common ideology or a national purpose that a society is focused on such that they are not strictly driven by the more human-based drives, but rather these drives are tempered, filtered through and directed by this common ideological drive of the society as a whole. This aforementioned control without control, so to say, is summed up in his own words by this quote. He writes, We are and always have been driven by the will to live, take, make, master, and know. These drives need to be controlled without being controlled. To do this, we need an ideology, a national purpose. So he is basically saying that we need to come together as a society, and that is what is going to steer us in the right direction, because if we are completely run by these desires, no matter which one it is, or even if it's all of them, then we are going to go in a direction that is not ideal. It's not going to be what's best for everyone and probably not even for the individual. However, if these different drives are steered towards a common goal that is in line with something that the mass of the population agrees with, then these wills can be channeled through that method. You may have noticed that there was an extra 
will that was mentioned in that quote that I read. He said, live, take, make, master, and know. Know was not one I had mentioned earlier because this is one that he brings up after the introduction of these instincts. He postulates that one of these instincts is much less corrupting and much more helpful for leadership. And this is this instinct that he brings up last, the will to know. So while the other drives focus largely on the more base desires of humanity, the will to know is different. This is the drive of scientists, technicians, and engineers, such as himself. He was an engineer. These are generally thought of as experts, probably in quotations there. Smith felt that having experts manage a project, a department, or a whole society would be preferable to having a general, a politician, a banker, or a layman in charge. This sets up his proposal for a technocracy. This is a society governed by experts under a resource allocation and load balancing model. The goal is not to have a political system, but rather a scientific and data-driven resource management system for maximum efficiency and effectiveness. Politics can still be handled by local politicians, but trade, resource management, energy production, resource allocation, sustainability goals, and the like would all be handled by the technate. The technate is the name of this technocratic system that runs the technocracy. He saw glimmers of this in the time of World War I, and wanted to continue the trend into a full technocratic system. We also see similar movements today with big tech companies, sustainable development initiatives, and global institutions such as the United Nations, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Gates Foundation, the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, and similar supranational organizations. So consider how biblical stories, philosophy, and theology all reinforce these underlying drives within humanity. The will to live, to make, to take, to master, and to know. This is something that is spelled out in many different stories of many different cultures, the dangers of these various instincts of human drive. The Bible itself, and since we're drawing from this parallel of the early church for this season of the podcast, the Bible is the one I'll focus on, it is very clear about how each of these leads away from righteousness and wisdom and morality and towards folly and destruction, whether in this life or after, through natural consequences or divine judgment. Repeatedly, the Bible demonstrates that attempts to control these desires through our own efforts and resources are doomed to fail. These drives will always be an overarching captain of our lives. And so this is the message that the early church would have been using as their worldview, so to say, even though they saw a lot of these things, a lot of these drives and instincts really coming into play in the culture and the state of Rome, and they had a very different view. So the exception to this would be a parallel to Smith's next point. That would be that we need an ideology. This is one of the things that made the early church so successful. They knew that we need a goal outside of ourselves, 
a higher purpose that takes away sole control of our decisions from our base desires. This is something also that Plato knew, and we talked a little bit about that in the last episode. This ideology is obviously a religious one, specifically following the God of the scriptures and his teachings, for the early church at least. And we can see that the ideology that is a current movement in today's society, today's culture, is one of secular religion, and that's kind of the point of this series. But when we go back to that parallel of the early church, that is a different ideology. That's a religious one. And when we look forward to alternative movements today, such as things like agorism and libertarianism and these types of movements, voluntarism, these are ideologies that are in existence today. And I would equate, in many ways at least, to the early church and their methods and their morality. For the early church, the Christian ideology is both an individual guide as well as a collective one. So where the Bible breaks from secular thought is in promoting a sixth drive to follow that each one of our other drives is filtered through. And this is the will to serve. We are also introduced to a non-secular power and motivation outside of ourselves to give us the ability and desire to follow this new drive. This would include God's spirit and his grace. According to the early church, we love, we love others, we love God, following the will to serve because he first loved us. And we can see that through the creation that he has made, the fact that we are alive and other things like this. His grace is what gives us the logical and emotional motivation for the will to serve. With God's spirit within us, we have access to an aspect of divine power that gives us the ability to carry out this otherwise inhuman lifestyle. This then cycles back to the grace aspect in times that we fail to live out these ideals, and hence these two aspects, spirit and grace, continuously reinforce themselves in a cyclical manner. Both are revealed in scripture as well as experienced in a Christian's life. So for the believer, the will to serve and the ideology of following God are meshed together and create our filter for our actions in life. I would say this is kind of similar with some more New Age movements where they talk about the importance of this uh, aspect of like meditation, for example, and being one with oneself and being okay with yourself and understanding yourself, finding some sort of power and drive within you that might even be outside of yourself. The, the idea of spirituality and there being a spiritual world, these are things that are much more common today than they used to be, especially in the sense of spiritual but not religious. This has been a common theme, and it does touch on similar aspects, at least. Now, getting back to Smith's writing, he also looks at broad patterns and evolutions in human society. He sees societal organizations as going through four phases. First, authoritarianism was dominant, then theocracy, then autocracy, and lastly, plutocracy. The first phase, the age of authoritarianism, used the method of brute strength 
to further the goals of those at the top of the societal hierarchical pyramid. The main instinct driving this age is the will to survive or the will to live, to attain physical desires. This is the first, let's say, age of man. And the second phase was one of theocracy, where the use of cunning was the dominant method used. Populations weren't simply forced to do the will of the rulers, but were rather convinced to do so through religions created to perform this very task. This is one manifestation of the dominant human drive of this age, and that would be the will to make, the will to create, or to construct. This is actually what some people would point to as the role of Christianity in modern times, and historical times actually, even though 2,000 years is uh, not all that much in the span of all of human history, but this is a view that many people have even of Christianity. The third phase is managed largely through autocracy. This is when one person is in control of an entire population. This would typically be done under the divine right of kings argument that said the ruler had God-ordained power and authority over the populace. And again, this is the idea of a ruler using a religion, but this is a new thing. It's not the religion itself that rules. It is a single person, an autocracy, and they're using religion kind of as the excuse for why they should rule. The will to master and to control was the dominant drive of this age. It was applied to entire regions under the name of empire. The fourth age, which is the age of Smith's own time and the one that we are coming out of, is one of plutocracy. This is the rule of the wealthy who are driven by the will to take, to acquire, to hoard. This is the rule of the takers, where the, the financiers, the takers, take from the makers, which would be the commoners, and ultimately control production and wealth. You can see how you can get this out of both Marxism and capitalism. This age has many components of mystery, magic, and chance. Chance is seen in many forms, such as financial speculation, or when an unforeseen or, quote, act of God creates wealth for some and poverty for others. And uh, chance can even be seen in recreational sports that are often decided by an aspect of chance. Finance is like a religion. It is surrounded by mystery. There are unknown and complex systems involved in this dominating industry. It is managed by cunning and mystery. The magic referred to by Smith can be introduced well by his own words, and this would be a quote again from Technocracy. He says, quote, And yet no essential difference exists between the old witchcraft by which a magic potion added years to human life and a modern financial black art which gives everlasting life to inanimate capital and endows lifeless money with life's unique function, reproduction, so that money makes money forever and ever. Indeed, of the two, the modern magic causation is the more crudely illogical and unscientific, 
For while the ancient black art only purported to prolong the already existing, the modern financial magic pretends to perform the still greater miracle of infusing life into inanimate objects. So through this, Smith is calling out this aspect of fiat money and the financial world and this whole sphere and how this is really just like the magic that existed years and ages ago. Now, there are other aspects of magic that can be seen in modern finance through the new reality that the future controls the present. This is also something from Smith here. The present goods are financed with future savings through the magic of credit. This is the immaterial theory about the future controlling the material reality of the present. So the immaterial controls the material. What is magic if not the means to manipulate the current material world through mysterious and immaterial means? Isn't that kind of the definition of magic for many folks? The magic of credit creates something from nothing, reality from theory, abilities formerly only held by God and mythical magicians. There is also the matter of dream wealth in the form of stocks, bonds, etc. There isn't any true value in material form with these aspects, only dream wealth that has the ability to rise and fall, to come manifest or to be reinvested through the magical financial incantations of the technological and immaterial markets. Smith also points out that money is the measurement of the economic age, but that modern money is variable and unstable, built on credit from the false authority of fiat creation. It is not true money, hard money, like gold or other material assets. Therefore, the tool of measurement used for most workings of society is not like any other tool of measurement used by mankind. It is not scientific. It is not exact. The concept of using a measurement system of this nature seems very foolish to Smith and further highlights the influence of magic, mystery, and chance in this age. Smith says that we have evolved from autocracy, where the king has power over man, to democracy, where man has power over the government. But we have kept the force and control of centralized government and the cunning and magic of finance and capitalism. So he would say this is not very good. Even though we have evolved and moved forward in some ways, we're keeping a lot of the worst aspects of these previous ages. Smith proposes that we need a new system, one of industrial democracy that provides personal freedom for self-realization and is governed by scientific means. His new system is called technocracy. This system would have matters of chance distributed to all, whether good or bad, and all things would be done for the good of the, quote, common wheel. There would be a national industrial management, but we would trade the state for free workers unified under technologists. In this system, making would result in owning, and each individual worker would have much more freedom, control, and wealth. There would be a national council of scientists 
in power within a democracy. These would be the technicians, the engineers, and the scientists that were mentioned earlier who are governed by the benevolent will to know. These are the leaders we need rather than the current leaders that we have. The masses follow leadership and they need guidance, but this needs to be proper leadership and guidance. In order to achieve this, we would need a national ideology and purpose for providing this required control without control. This is the idea. While this scientific age would seem by most to be a shift away from mystery and religion, Smith actually sees a great need for these aspects still, just not in the way they are currently applied through modern economic systems and probably not through modern religions. He says uh, these two quotes that I'll read back to back here. Quote, Our new skill economics, therefore, may not discourage man's innate love of mystery, his inborn religious spirituality, nor curb the spirit which tempts him to adventure courageously into the unknown, but instead should provide advantageous scope for his personal expression. And then the next quote is like this. The scientist is the modern religionists, the priest of selfless truth, truth which grows with man's growth and luminously emerges with the purifying of human intelligence, truth, that all-inclusive something behind the physical facts of nature which makes for right, for mechanical, for personal, for ethical, for spiritual, for social righteousness, the ultimate unifying ideal. So hopefully it's fairly obvious for you to see that Smith is painting a picture of a new religious fervor. This would be the new ideology that binds society together for the good of the common weal. There would be a new economic order in the system with a new form of money. Society would fully embrace the mystery and spirituality inherent to mankind while fully utilizing the modern industrial advancements and scientific methods. The mystery would reinforce the material advancement, which would be governed by the spiritual ideals, which would ensure the continued scientific advancement, and so on and so forth. It's this cycle. So this is what brings us back in to the idea of scientism as a secular religion. Hopefully, I have structured this in a way that it really brings us to a head at the right point and transitions us smoothly into scientism. So, this brings us back around to secular religion, to scientism, to control without control, to this need that man has of having a religion, having a purpose, having an ideology that binds society together, this need that Smith saw of this control without control, this is an aspect of scientism, Sci or I should say, scientism is an aspect of this. There are multiple ways that this is being done and that are evolving in these conditions, and scientism would be one. You would also have the Church of Woke, as well as statism, and of course there are probably other things that are going on, but these are the three that I am focusing on at least here. So in this religion of scientism, it's not science itself that reigns, but, quote, the science. 
the science is delivered to the masses by experts of the ruling class. It consists of a narrative that is created and controlled from above, and those who question it would be considered heretics. They are a threat not only to the ruling system, but it is said at least that they are a threat to their fellow man as well. Scientism claims objectivity and truth while completely shutting down any hypothesis that is contrary to their crafted narrative. So by definition, this conflicts with the scientific method itself, hence being the science or scientism and not science, as is defined in normal terms or always has been since scientific method. So what science is, according to the scientific method, is that you question something, you form a hypothesis, you test, and you look at the data to find out if your hypothesis was correct or not. So with science, we are always learning new things. Our ideas of how things work are always changing. And when we come up with a decision and when we've figured something out, it is based on the data. It is based on true testing, objective testing. And this is not the case for what people quote nowadays as the science. And this is definitely not the case for scientism. Obviously, a narrative is not going to be the same as actual data, as actual science, as objective studies. These are two different things. You can use objective studies in order to craft a narrative. Whether or not those studies actually confirm your narrative, it doesn't really matter, because what matters is the narrative, not the study. Whereas in true science, it's the study that matters, regardless of the narrative and the political context. So those are definitely two different things. With scientism, it is the experts who are the priestly class of this religion. The decrees that they put forth would be considered the sacred text, or at least would play this role in this religion. These texts, however, are not concrete and will change through time according to current revelation. So these are evolving texts. We have continuous revelation in this religion. It's not a specific set of written down things that never change. This is something that does change. We get this, we receive this revelation from this priestly class, and that is what determines what we believe in any given point in time. And so those beliefs obviously can change. Scientism claims a monopoly on truth. It declares what is moral and immoral. Its worldview is collectivist and claims to seek the greatest good for the greatest number. It seeks to perfect the human race through scientific advancement, and this is done in many different ways. So I guess we can see that Yes, uh, by the definition of secular religion that I have laid out in previous episodes, it does seem that we are fitting this. We are fulfilling this role of a religion. We are fulfilling these needs within humanity for being a part of something bigger than themselves, for seeking the greater good, for having a priestly class to look up to and tell them what to do, for having something that tells them what is ethical, what is moral, what they should do, what is their purpose. Again, going back to the natural order, we want meaning. And so this is how scientism 
is fulfilling all of these things. Now, as we shift into this idea of perfecting the human race through scientific advancement, this is when we get into kind of some sketchy territory here. This is where reading uh, Ted Kaczynski might be very handy. He touches on this as well. So with scientism, there are tools such as gene therapy, DNA manipulation, nanotechnology, data collection. All of these things allow this priestly class, the experts, the ability to steer mankind in the direction that they desire. Their goals are not based on values or morals in the biblical sense. They do not align with the natural order. They value the advancement of the species, and whatever furthers this goal is moral to them. That is how they define morality. If humanity is improving, at least by their own definition, then that is moral. And it doesn't matter if you know those crazy conservative traditionalists would say that it's wrong to kill people. If killing some people is what's good for the rest of society, for society as a whole, then killing them is the moral thing to do. That is at least how that argument would lay out according to scientism, and we have seen that play out in multiple different ways. So those that deny this as true morality are the heretics. They are the ones who are selfish and dangerous. Often the experts attempt to control these heretics through censorship and through force enacted through the technologies that I mentioned earlier, while claiming that it is for the good of all. Scientism combines the biological sciences with the technological. Artificial intelligence and transhumanism are prominent goals of the church. The priests seek to control all reality and to be gods themselves. They manipulate nature to their will, and they manipulate humanity similarly. So you have things like social media, marketing, propaganda, smart technology, news media, and all other similar things that are all harnessed in order to push a certain agenda. And notice that all these things are things that are manifested through technology, through science. That is how we receive in today's world, marketing, social media, propaganda, smart technology, you know, all these things, they're technological, or at least that is their mode of getting out to the people and being successful in what they're trying to do or what the experts are using them for. The science of psychology is used through these technological arms to preach to the masses and bring them into the fold of the church. They want willing converts and have many methods for creating them. They say that one day we will have conquered death. We will create our own virtual worlds. They will be better than the physical world, and we're going to all be able to live there. Our consciousness can be transported into new bodies and to these virtual new heavens. All sickness and disease will be no more. The freedom, liberty, and critical thinking of the masses are sacrificed for the good of the human race to achieve these goals. 
This is the eugenics endgame. This is the afterlife that is promised by scientism. It's worth highlighting again that this is not just technology in the sense of computer chips and these types of things and algorithms. This is technology in the sense of science. That's where the word scientism comes from. And this is not just the technological sciences. This is also the physical and biological sciences. So that's why you have things like gene therapy being pushed for the COVID agenda, but also you have the technological advancements being used in order to also implement a COVID agenda. And so regardless of where you stand on that COVID agenda, those are two things that are currently being used to push for a certain goal, a goal of ending disease, of helping people to live long past their expected lifespan for the good of all society. How many times have you heard that since COVID where you are to sacrifice something? You you can give up something. You make a sacrifice. It's for the good of everyone. It's for the good of society. That's what you should do. That's what's moral to do because that's what's going to extend the human race. So therefore, it is a good thing. Uh, even though when you're doing all of these things, you might be completely isolating, you might be encouraging depression, suicide might be a vastly more dangerous killer to young people and to military veterans than COVID itself, but we will throw all of this out the window and instead focus on these specific goals and focus through this specific lens of the Church of Scientism We will listen to our priestly class, these experts at the top, so that they can tell us what we should be doing. They can tell us how we should be orienting ourselves towards this situation as well as situations to come. This is not just a COVID thing. COVID is just a good example for this. I also mentioned transhumanism, and some people might classify that as a secular religion by the framework that I've laid out in these recent episodes. But I I have not been able to fit that in completely into that category. I think transhumanism falls under the category of scientism. All of these different secular religions do have multiple denominations. They all do. When you go back to statism, at least in the United States of America, you have the Democrats, you have the Republicans, you have the Libertarian Party, you have the Green Party, you have Independents, you've got some new party that, and what is it, Andrew Yang, I believe it is, who is starting up a new party that's all about universal basic income and using technology to create a more technocratic society. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that one specifically. But all of these are different denominations, and they are all under this main heading, this main category, all under the church of statism. They still believe that the state is something above humanity, that is greater than human. It's an entity that is not human, but does take care of humanity, of us mere mortals. It is something that is designed to do so. 
and does so very well. But it is beyond mere human design. That's just what it does. It's inevitable that humans will have a state and that that state will watch over them and take care of them. And these humans may try to influence the state. They may try to uh, use the powers of the state for good, but they have to beseech the state for these things. They have to do their prayers. They have to do their rituals and all these things. And it doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of, these bulk aspects are common to them all. And the same can be true of something like the Church of Woke. You could say that environmentalism is similar to a religion, and I would agree, but according to at least the way I am laying it out here as to what a secular religion is, I at least do not believe that environmentalism really fits all of those different aspects of a true secular religion. However, I, again, agree that it is like a religion. There are many similarities. But I would say that environmentalism is a denomination of the Church of Woke. I would say that you've got other denominations, such as the Black Lives Matter movement. That might be another denomination of the Church of Woke. Or some might even say Antifa. There could be arguments made there. But there are also things that are much more different. You've got like the trans community and pushing the LGBTQ alphabet community, uh, pushing that agenda into the mainstream and making this very small minority into a really big deal for society. And not to say anything for or against those groups. I am just classifying a group of people as a denomination under the Church of Woke, and that should fit very well if you are paying attention here. So when you get into scientism, it's similar. You have things like eugenics. You have things like transhumanism. You have things like following the science and people like Fauci that have this cult following of all of these people, these Covidians that are really they're they're diehards. They hang on every single word that their priest says. And that priest is preaching something that might be different than some of the other priests, some of the other experts. There are multiple denominations. There are some differences between transhumanism and eugenics. Eugenics is all about perfecting the human race, but doing so through things like breeding and genetics and trying to make sure that the human race is the best that it can be, but from a more natural aspect. And that might be a time issue. Maybe it could be that they did not necessarily have the technology to do the things the transhumanists now talk about, but there definitely is a difference there. When you get into the transhumanists, their goal is to go beyond human. We are not just going to be mere humans. We are going to be better than that. We're going to go beyond that. We are going to enhance ourselves through artificial means. We are going to do this not only through things like machine brain interfaces and cyborg components where you have robotics that are integrated into the human body. No, this is not sci-fi. We already have this. You can think of amputees and people like that where this is something that is a reality. And as this becomes more and more prominent and our technology continues to improve further and further and further, then these things will be 
options for upgrades and not necessarily only options to fix something that went wrong, an accident, an injury, something like this. And so you've got that aspect. But it's not only that, it's also the genetic side. But the genetic side is different than eugenicists. The eugenicists would kill off the weak, breed the strong, and that is how they would handle things from a a very, very, very simplified view at least. Now, the transhumanists, what they would do is use genetic technology not to uh, manipulate a natural process like the eugenicists would, but rather to change a natural process. Their goal is to manipulate nature. So, whereas uh, eugenics, they still are manipulating nature. They are using these natural aspects of life and death of Uh, certain traits and certain skills and certain attributes and trying to uh, fit those into their idea of what the human race should be and could be to the perfect human race. That is what they're doing, but they are using natural means to do so. They are manipulating this natural order, whereas the transhumanists don't want to be stuck. They don't want to be limited to only what nature provides, to only what the natural order is. Instead, they want to create their own order. They want to be able to create their own genetics. They want to be able to create their own DNA strands where they can control what expresses itself in the human body. They're not just going to be limited to what naturally occurs through breeding and life and death and the outside environment, these types of things. They are going to manipulate on a much further, much more detailed level, that is how transhumanists want to change things. That is how they are trying to uh, perfect the human race. And again, this idea is moral if you take out the former views of what morality is. So for those who would view morals and ethics as loving your fellow man and always trying to promote liberty and freedom and all of these types of things, if you are looking at it from a biblical perspective, a Christian perspective, Judeo-Christian perspective, even a lot of the Eastern religions, they believe in this principle of the natural order, of sacrifice, of love, of life. These are the things that they want to promote. It's not life and get rid of all the rest. That is more what scientism says. And even life is going to be redefined. Again, like I mentioned, uploading your consciousness into a computer, is that really life? Well, according to a natural order perspective, probably not. That would not be considered life. So again, it's always a perversion of the true light side of the natural order. But again, if you get rid of this idea of a natural order framework, and that is not how you view morality, if instead you do what is best for you and you do what is best for the human race, if those are the two things that you are focused on and those alone, then when you take that to its logical conclusion, you come to something like eugenics or transhumanism. You come to the church of scientism through whatever denomination draws you more, and that is just the natural progression. If you get rid of traditional and conservative morality and ethics, if you get rid of the natural order, something you can just see outside in nature, and you can uh, determine what some of these principles are, you have to throw all that out the window. But once you do, then it actually makes a whole lot of sense 
to follow these different goals that are being directly pursued by people that are a part of this Church of Scientism, by these experts, by this priestly class. Some of them are out in front, people like a Fauci or a Bill Gates or people of this nature, even an Elon Musk. But some of them are behind the scenes. And so uh, I guess I will reference those maybe in the next episode talking about technocracy and some other things. But this is a church that has a lot of control now and is gaining a whole lot of momentum. So like many things, when COVID first hit, it is something that amplified a lot of things that were already there. And so it's not that scientism didn't exist before, but scientism was much smaller before, and it just exponentially grew due to the environment that was presented. And it's the same with many, many, many different aspects of society where we had this amplification, we had this exponential growth in certain things that were there, but they were kind of behind the scenes. They were kind of small. They were new things, or they were things that were the minority, and now they have become the majority. It's this idea of an inverted world where you have the minority is supposed to be on the outside. You have the outer realm, you have chaos, you have the outer oceans, according to, you know, cartographers from ages ago, where, you know, here be dragons. It's that idea. There are things on the outside, on the outskirts, or you could say within a society, you have those that are part of normal society, and then you have those that are the outliers. And they're not necessarily bad, but they are different. They are definitely different. They do things differently. Well, we are currently living in a world where those outliers are being brought to the center, and the center is being pushed to the outside. Things are being inverted. And so that's part of this process. And the whole COVID narrative and everything that went down is something that has really grown exponentially the pace of this inversion. And so if you want more on that, by the way, you can look up Jonathan Paggio. He would be someone I would highly recommend. And he talks a lot about uh, these aspects of inversion and a lot about symbolism and lots of other things. So if you're interested, check him out. But that's what we're dealing with now. And so hopefully you can see that if you look at this outside of what we would generally consider morality, then the pursuits of scientism make a lot of sense. And now that we have the technology to actually pursue these things truly and to change the physical world and create the virtual world where we can be gods of a new world. We can create it. We can define the parameters of how it operates. We can create our own natural order within a new world that we created where we are the gods. And so, obviously, this fits in with a lot of aspects of religion, hence the part of the reason why this is a secular religion. And it fits in with all of these different things. So hopefully you can see how when we went back to someone like Plato, who was talking about this role of the experts, he was talking about eugenics, he was talking about a lot of these uh, aspects of morality that scientism discusses, things like censorship for those that would go against the narrative that the church is proposing or the state is proposing, according to Plato. And that's what scientism does. 
that's what they are doing right now. And they're doing it through technology, just like Plato said that all of the people in society need to be closely watched, closely monitored, and someone needs to be surveilling them at all times to make sure that they are staying in line, these types of things. That's what's being done today. So hopefully those connections are pretty obvious, just like William Henry Smith, when he talks about the pursuits, the will to live, the will to make, to master, to take, and the will to know, and how all of these are being manifested within scientism, especially the will to know. It's all governed ultimately by the will to know to further these other desires, these other drives. And what's getting left out is the one that I mentioned that William Henry Smith does not talk about, and that would be the will to serve. That is the realm of, let's say, the early church, which is our example for this season. That is what they focused on was serving your fellow man, having the ability and the desire to sacrifice for the good of someone else, not for an arbitrary good of the entire human race, as if you can actually do that, but instead, individuals sacrificing yourself for the sake of an individual or individuals. And that is something that's getting left out, I hope you can see, of scientism. That's what I'm talking about, about the morality not necessarily being there. And so, as William Henry Smith laid out, uh, he also talked about these aspects of cunning and mystery and magic and how we have this sense where we are drawn to these things. We have a sense where we need religion. Religion has a role to play. You need ideology in a society to keep people uh, uh, going together, to keep peace, to keep people working towards a common goal. And this is something that is best harnessed through a religion. And again, scientism. That's why I talked about those two examples extensively, because they really are what highlight scientism, But not only that, they bring us into the next subject, which I will cover in the following episode of this podcast, and this will get us into technocracy. So uh, when I talk about technocracy, I'm going to go over a whole lot of quotes because I I just think I should. It makes a lot of sense, and it's going to work really well here, but I am not sure how many episodes this might be. Probably two, I would guess. But I'll talk about technocracy. All of these things lead into technocracy. We have this very clear chain from Plato to William Henry Smith to scientism, which directly ties into technocracy. But then we also have the rest of the series on secular religion, where you have the Church of Woke, and you have the statist religion. And all of these things, the statism, the Church of Woke, scientism, all of these things are being combined, they are working together in a sense. I I guess combined is probably not the right word here, but in ways they are integrating together, using each other, pushing towards this common goal, using this common tool, this common structure of technocracy. All of this points to technocracy. And so that's what I will cover starting in the next episode. But until then, I guess this episode is done and I can say Thank you very much for all of the supporters of the show. 
especially if you have been willing to support financially and give money to support this podcast through Patreon or Subscribestar or sending it directly through cryptocurrency. I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. I made good use of that recently again and bought another piece of equipment that I really needed for uh, some, I guess, technically for my research mainly, but I can also uh, do a little more remotely, which might give me the ability to record uh, more often and do more. I am currently kind of maxed out on my personal time and time I have to dedicate to uh, side gigs like this that don't technically pay. So if I can get some different technology that will allow me to do more with my time and work more efficiently, then that is extremely helpful. And the supporters have paid for that. So uh, again, I'm saying I'm not getting paid. Uh, thanks to you wonderful supporters, I can pay for all the things related to this podcast, or at least almost all of them. I think for the most part, all of them though. But I, I am not receiving extra income. This is not a side gig. I, I don't make any money on top of that. That would be wonderful, and you're perfectly welcome to donate more. But that is not really what I'm going for here. I am trying to produce this content, put it out there for the most part for free. And then anybody that voluntarily wants to support this endeavor and this effort and this show, then please do so. And I really appreciate that. I did have someone ask if I could have some higher levels, some higher options for giving, and I did put those out there. So if you are, uh, for whatever reason, interested in giving larger sums of money every month, then you can check out those higher tiers and you get some extra perks and that kind of stuff. And if not, the basic one is usually $4 a month. That's basically a dollar a week dollar an episode and that is support that is extremely helpful again it's also really helpful to leave a rating to leave a review extremely helpful to send me an email give me some feedback ask me some questions you can also follow on twitter that would be at foundations pc and i think that's it there's a website if you want to look at other things that would be ourfoundations.podbean.com and I've got other appearances that I do on other shows. Those are linked on the website. And I will announce whenever the next one is that gets released. So until next time, thank you very much for all of your support. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye.